Here y'all come on in, take your shoes off, sit on down. Y'all listening to In the Corner, back by the woodpile. I'm Spun Counter Guy. Thanks for stopping by. Our good friend Peter Horse is back by the woodpile to discuss the ever-fascinating conundrum that is China. In this chat, we talk about Chinese hip-hop and alienation, Jews in China during World War II, Chinese crony communist capitalism, and Peter's own life and adventures. But first up, we discuss early 20th century writer Lu Xin, who wrote these words. The next day, they recovered his body. They found him standing upright in a creek where water chestnuts grow. To this day, I do not know whether he lost his balance or committed suicide. He had no money at all when he died, but he left behind a widow with a young daughter. Some people thought of starting a fund for his daughter's future schooling, but as soon as this was proposed, various members of his clan started squabbling as to who should control this sum, although it had not yet been collected. Then everyone was so disgusted that the scheme just came to nothing. I wonder how his own daughter is faring now. Well, first of all, just kind of tell me, I, I know that you're a fan. A lot of people may not be aware of his writings. In my generation, and before my generation, Lucian is very, very popular among the people's heart. And everybody, I think, in China mainland, we learned his articles on our Chinese textbook. Almost every great has one or two or more his articles in primary school middle school and high school i think he's top one popular writer in china mainland and he's from zhejiang province shaoxing city when he was young he went to japan to study medicine because he think he can use medicine to improve Chinese body health. He think medicine is a good way to improve China, a better place. But when he went to Japan, he saw how Chinese treated Chinese badly. So he feel very sad, and he think just to cure the body's disease is not enough. So he think. He need to find a way to cure the spiritual disease. So he gave up his medicine study to be a writer. He think red articles will be a much better way to help the Chinese spiritual disease. When was he born? Do you remember? Eighteen. 70s or 80s. So he began writing when China was really going through a lot of changes, a lot of turmoil. We say right before 1949, a lot of movements, a lot of battles, a lot of crises, attempted revolutions, civil war, the end of the emperor. So, did what was going on in China? Did that enter into his stories? Did he write about that? Most of. His articles about Chinese human nature. His articles just to describe Chinese human beings evil. He used stories, some true stories. He based his stories on real people. Right. So tell us one of the stories that you like. One story, one book named R.Q. Zhengzhuan.、Right? I love that story. Yeah. yeah. R.Q. is a very typical Chinese 
So describe the character of RQ. RQ, he's a loser. <laughs> yeah, and he got a better education compared to the ordinary Chinese. So even he's a loser, proud of himself. So how is he a loser? That's because of himself, I think. Personalities of RQ is 精神胜利法. It means, for example, I'm a loser and I can't find a good way to comfort myself. Such as Peter is a loser. I'm a loser, but I think the team is worse than me. Ah. So, so that's a very typical Chinese way. Is it still today? Sometimes. And some psychologists said that that's a better way to avoid the pressure to hurt us. That's avoiding the problem, though. Yes. So RQ usually do that. He didn't find the real reason to improve himself. So he usually use the 精神胜利法 to comfort himself. This phrase that you said, can you translate that literally? 精神胜利法, spiritual, successful method. In his essays, Dogs, Cats, and Mice, Lucien explains his aversion to cats. As a matter of fact, the great enemy of mice is not the cat. At the end of spring, if you hear the squeaking described as mice counting coppers, you will know that the butcher of rats has appeared on the scene. This sound, expressing the panic of despair, is not caused by confrontation with a cat. Although a cat is frightening, mice need only dart into a small hole to render it powerless. They have many chances to escape, only that baneful butcher the snake long, thin, and about the same in circumference as a mouse, can go wherever mice go, and is so tenacious in pursuit that few mice escape it. By the time one hears the counting of coppers, the mouse is probably doomed. Once I heard the counting of coppers from an empty room. When I opened the door and went in, there was a snake on the beam. Lying on the floor, I saw a mouse with blood trickling from one corner of its mouth, but still breathing. I picked it up and put it in a cardboard box where after a long time, it came to itself. By degrees, it was able to eat, drink, and crawl about, and by the next day, it seemed to have recovered. But it did not run away. When put on the ground, it kept running up to people and climbing up their legs right up to their knee. Placed on the dining table, it would eat leftovers and lick the edges of bowls. Put on my desk, it would wander about freely and lick some of the ink being ground on the inkstone. My recollection is none too clear, but this must have gone on for a month or two before one day, I suddenly felt as lonely as if bereft of something. My mouse was always in sight running about on the table or on the floor, but today I hadn't seen it for hours. It didn't even come after the midday meal, a time when it normally always put in an appearance. I waited and waited all the rest of the day, still no sign of my mouse. Mama Chang, my nurse, may have thought this waiting too upsetting for me. She padded over to whisper something to me, which plunged me into a fit of rage and grief and made me vow eternal hatred to cats. She told me that my mouse had been eaten the night before by a cat. When I lose something I love, it leaves a gap in my heart, which I have to fill in with thirst for revenge. I set about my vengeance with our tabby, extending it to all cats who'd crossed my path. To start with, I just chased and beat them. Later, I refined on this and learned to hit them on the head with my sling, or lure them into an empty room and beat them until they were thoroughly chastened. This feud continued for a long time until finally it seemed no cats came near me. 
but triumphing over cats most likely does not make a hero of me. However, many days later, possibly even more than six months later, I happened to receive some unexpected news. My mouse had not been eaten by a cat. It had been trampled to death by Mama Chong when it tried to run up her leg. Lu Xun always tells the truth. Who doesn't care how people respond, how government responds. Before 1949, Lu Xun is a very dangerous person to the government. Like Ai Weiwei. I think before 1949, the government often threatened him because of his books, his articles, like a uh, sword to the government. And this was the government before the communists took over. Right. It's kind of enemy to the government, right. to the Chiang Kai-shek's government. Yeah, you know, CCP and Chairman Mao also uh, another enemy to the government. The Communist Party like him because his articles, his books, describe how the bad environment, bad society over that time, that's because of the bad politics, bad, bad government. Right. So his books is good for CCP. Right. As long yeah. as he never criticized them. Right. He passed away in 1936. So uh, CCP's uh, member uh, speak highly of his books and articles. And Chairman Mao also very often to quote Lucien's article or, or words to defeat the Chiang Kai-shek's government. After 1949, the CCP built a new dynasty, and uh, there were more problems, much more problems, much of the condition becoming worse and worse after 1949. I think uh, if Lu Xun is still alive, I think Lu Xun still read articles to tell the truth, because after 1949, a huge number of people were duped by the communism idea, communism thoughts. So during Cultural Revolution, that's the worst time of uh, CCP's uh, dynasty. So a reporter interviewed Chairman Mao and just asked a question, if Lu Xun is still alive, what he will get from the government. Because during that period, a lot of writers like Lu Xun, who tell the truth, were uh, put into the jail, were killed, were sent to the, uh, a poor place to do the labor job. So when the reporter asked Mao what would happen to Lu Xun if he was still alive during those times, what did Mao say? Mao say. Two choices for him. One, shut up, or go to the jail. Wow. So yeah. Mao would turn on his own favorite writer. Uh, yeah, right, right, right. Wow. Well, it's interesting you say that. You know, this happens in almost every communist scenario. In Cuba and Russia, those are two right. that I know well. All the writers on the left that supported the communist revolutions, so many of them ended up in either jail or shot. Right. And right. sometimes I think about here in America, we have a lot of 
you know, political activists on the hard left, especially in Hollywood and musicians. And the evil part of me sometimes wishes they would get what they wanted because most of them would end up in jail or shot because there's no free speech under communism or, you know, hardcore socialism or Marxism, whatever you want to call it. Obviously, they don't study history, or if they do, they just ignore the facts, I guess. Do you know a place in Russia named Gulag Island? Oh, yeah, the the Gulag. Yeah, that's a place for for Lushin. Yeah, the Chinese had a a similar... I think in Gansu province or in Guizhou province, there's another place. I watch a movie about that. It's people, person eat, eat person. To be clear, I'm not wishing death on anyone, but to illustrate my point even further, Peter brought up the sad demise of scientist Fu Zhougong. He is very great. I think Chinese American or Chinese scientist in America. He admires Chairman Mao's CCP. So after 1949, he came back to China. He has a big dream for communism. He came back to China to help. New China wants to build a stronger country. His older brothers of one of national party's leaders, only after some years, he was deported to the place like Gulag. After some years, he passed away in that place. Wow. I would love to ask, maybe I need to interview some people that believe in communism now, and how do they explain the disasters and all the genocide and killing you know, that happens every time it's tried. How do you explain that and why do you still want that to happen again? Uh, I'd be curious what they would have to say. And the song that you heard was Shuangzi, and we don't know the name of the song because we're idiots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it may be that we're idiots, but it's also because he's an underground rapper in China. So we can't find a whole lot of information about him. But somebody gave this stuff to me, and I thought it was pretty good. What do you think the name of the song would be? We're just guessing. About Zhou uh, Hall. And what does that mean? The generations in China after 1990s. Okay. They are very young. They are very unique. Huh. And uh, uh, we, call, we call him uh, E.T. Yeah. Why E.T.? Uh, they are very, they are very special, very unique, and very different. From the traditional Chinese culture? Yes, compared to, compared to 1980s and 1970s. Ah. So the 90s generation is the alien generation? Yeah. Wow. And uh, 1990s, they grew up, we call it, they grew up uh, from the honey, because they, they have very good uh, conditions. Oh. Oh. Every day they eat honey to grow up. Uh, okay. okay, got it, okay. Are I'm you not, an E.T.? Yeah, not E.T. Oh. What are you? I'm 1980s. So Peter, introduce yourself first of all, about how old are you? I'm, I'm 23 years old. I was born in 1980. 89. Okay. Yeah. Magic year in China. Yes. Yeah. 
And you're from a village. Yeah, right? I'm from the village, from okay. the countryside. First of all, can you describe your memories as a ch child in the village? Mm, my childhood are very in my in my mind are very happy. Every day, very very free. My childhood friends, we we usually play a lot of games in the farmland. We find the birds, uh, catch the fish, mm -hmm. and we. Uh, play together and fight together and uh, we swim together mm -hmm. and uh, we adventure together. Uh, but, but another uh, little uh, hard, hard things we have to do the farm work. Uh, yeah, help my parents do yeah. the farm work. By hand, there's no machines. Yes, by hands. Uh, in my childhood, uh, we uh, often um, catch the birds from the nest. Uh -huh. you know, they, the bird's nest usually hid on the on the leaves, uh -huh. and I'm good at it to 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 find it. Uh -huh. Use my eyes. Uh -huh. Another guy good at uh, clap the trees. Uh -huh. We you know we teamwork together. Uh -huh. Very good. What do you do with the birds when in the nest when you catch it? We catch them just to play with them. And do the birds care? Uh, yeah, birds care. But parents very care. <laughs> <laughs> do they attack you? Yeah, sometimes. We don't know at, at that time, we just find it. We, sometimes we, we want to feed the small birds mm -hmm. to, to grow up. Okay, so you uh, keep them and yeah, take keep care them. of them. Yeah. We don't know the birds' parents are angry at yeah, us. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I notice, and you don't see it much where we live, but you see it sometimes where old people will take a bird cage and they take their birds like to the park. Mm. You see it more in, in other provinces, but why do they do that? All the people are alone, mm -hmm. and they keep them just like they like a pet. Yes. Yeah. But you often see like, like all the old people and many many bird cages. Like they all meet together. Yes. So I think like the old people are talking and the birds are talking to each other. Maybe. Yes. Uh, another thing, they like birds song. Birds oh, bird song. Yeah. In your village, how many people live in your village? About uh, five hundred people. Okay. Now I. I often think about the Chinese village. They sometimes they help each other. Sometimes they are selfish, I think, uh -huh. because they only want to, for example, uh, very poor, you know, yeah. Chinese village, uh -huh. and uh, they only want to them to become rich. Sure. And if they are rich, they will love at others. Really? <laughs> yeah. There is farmland. They grow some vegetables. Mm -hmm. If the vegetables were stolen, the neighbor go to the street to, to, to yell. Oh, so she just yells bad words at all the houses? Yes. Oh. So does she know that it was you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not me. Yeah. Yeah, she, she can guess. She guess oh. who, who stole it. He will go to get the house and oh. yell. That's what? bad manners, I think. Uh, it's bad manners to steal too. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. Very bad. Yeah. Some more about your family. Your mom, what does she do? She's a farmer. Because my father has to go go to the cities to earn money, so my my mother usually stay at home 
to look after us. She has four children, and when we go to school, she usually feed the pigs、uh -huh. or goats,、uh -huh. and we sell them to collect the monies. Okay, now you have four kids in your family. How did that happen? This is the the land of one child policy. Because in in the Chinese countryside, the policy some years are very strict and some years not. After my oldest brother came out,、uh, my parents have to pay some money to the government. And for me, I'm okay. I don't know why. My younger brother. When he came out to, to say hello to the world, <laughs> very good. And my parents had to pay a lot to the、uh, to the government.、Uh -huh. We have no money, and that year the local government、uh -huh. take some guys to to my home, want to tie my 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 house. Tie means to destroy the house. Yeah, destroy my house. And、uh, when they were starting to break the house, my father borrowed some money from my relatives. What does your dad do for a job?、Worker? Yeah, construction worker. Did your father like construction work?、Uh, to be honest, it's very hard. He has no choice. Sure. Does he live in an apartment or does he live in a, in a tent? Mostly in the apartment.、Oh, Not very good.、Uh, how many men live together? Almost、uh, seven. In a small room. Yes. Okay. Does his bosses do? Do they treat him fairly, or do they cheat him sometimes?、Mm -hmm. Or. It it depends. in In the early years, in nineteen nineties, some boss. They don't pay them at all. Yeah, because sometimes they escape. Sometimes,、oh. sometimes they lost. Oh no! They take the money lost. After just one year or two years, the government gave it a strict policy,、uh -huh. so the boss has to pay. Right. Okay.、Uh, so fairly. So now everything's okay. Yeah. And your father comes home at harvest time, right?、Mm -hmm. Okay. Did your family have any? Like, did they believe in Fuwa or Dao Jiao or or anything? No, we believe nothing.、Mm. Sometimes we we believe the ancestors. Yeah. Sometimes we pray the ancestors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm when I was at your home, I noticed. Yeah. There was like a little.、Uh, yes. Little, little part. Yeah. Little part. Yeah. yeah. For the for the souls of、mm. your relatives. Yes. Okay. So you were telling me recently that you learned that、uh, during World War Two, or as the Chinese、yes. call it, the anti-Japanese war, that some Jews were saved, as the you say in Chinese, "yotai" is the word for Jew. So tell us about that. What you learned? That's a pretty big community during nineteen thirties and forties. Many Jews they wanted to escape. From their home country to other countries, and、uh, many developed countries closed the door to them. At that time, in Austria, the Chinese embassy opened the door for them. I mean, there's an ambassador in Chinese embassy. They gave a lot of free visas to the Jewish, so they can get the chance to Shanghai. So this was Jiang Kai-shek's government, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And I went there almost one month ago. Shanghai Jewish Refugee Museum. The museum is not very big, but outside it's a area. I can say it's a Jewish area during the World War Two. Pretty big. A lot of old buildings. 
still captured very well. And the, I watched a documentary about that, and a guy just said how he got the visa to Shanghai because in their mind, the best visa is go to America. The second class is go to Canada or Australia or England. The worst one is go to China. Really? <laughs> yeah, but because America and Canada, they cannot provide enough visas to them. So they have to choose the visa to Shanghai. But when they arrived at Shanghai, they felt so lucky because at least they uh, saved their life. They saved their family. For folks who maybe don't know historically, you know, Shanghai was a very different city than the rest of China. Yeah, Shanghai is almost the most developed city in China. But during that time, almost everywhere in China is, is not very well because the Japan soldiers who came to China, the Japan wanted to control China. So when the Jews came to Shanghai, the Japanese yeah. were, were there? Yeah. Japanese didn't kill the Jewish. They tried to control the Jewish community. The Jewish got along very well with the local Shanghainese. They did their own business for Jewish and for Shanghainese. And they opened the coffee bars, the small business. And there is a committee. The committee was built by America. It's, it's for save Jewish, to help Jewish. Uh, so, for the most part, the Jews had a peaceful life in the Japanese-occupied Shanghai, right? Yes. Okay. Now, after the war, of course, you had the Chinese Civil War. That's and, a good question. Okay. So, tell yeah. me what I want to know. After the war between China and Japan, the Civil War started, and the Chiang Kai-shek government told the Jewish people, you ha had better leave China because if the CCP occupied China, they will kill you. So the Jewish people left Shanghai just by turns. That's one reason they left Shanghai. Another reason, actually, the Jewish, they never once settled down Shanghai for all or for their lives. They just uh, choose Shanghai for temporarily a place to stay. Mm. So after the war finished, they left Shanghai by turns. Some, they w went back to Europe, and some part, they went back to Israel. Mm -hmm. And quite a lot of, of Jewish, they went to America. And there are two very famous persons. One is an artist. His name is Peter Max. Okay, another one is a former financial minister in Qatar government. His name is Michael Blumenthal. Michael Blumenthal? Yes. Okay. He yes. served under Jimmy Carter? Yes. Okay. When I arrived at Shanghai, he almost seven years old. He spent his childhood in, in Shanghai. After the war finished, he went to America just for study and grow up. After... He left Shanghai. He went back many times to visit after 1978. I see. After Deng Xiaoping was in power. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Is he a good financial minister during that time? I honestly don't know. I mean, Carter had a lot of financial problems, economic problems. He's blamed for a lot, and in my opinion, a lot of it is his fault, but a lot of it isn't. Nixon, he kind of did some things that were not good for the economy, but that's just my opinion. And But I, yeah, I wouldn't think that Blumenthal would be remembered well. Anybody that worked for Carter, because it was just a bad time. You sometimes have to do what your boss tells you. Yeah. Even though it may not be what you think, so I, I don't know. Oh, the hiding place. Yeah, hiding place. It was the worst of times, but also, even with the threat of danger, a lot of people did the right thing and helped the Jews. Some were captured. And speaking of uh, Cory Tim Boom, like her sister and father were killed in the yeah. camps for hiding Jews. Right. You look back and you have mixed feelings. You think, what what a terrible time, but also uh, some really great people, uh, selfless people, existed during that time. So. And I think also about the rape of Nanjing and how there was a, a handful of, uh, even one German, uh, a Nazi in fact, at least a member of the Nazi party, but he helped save so many Chinese from the Japanese. Labi. Yes. I think his name is Labi. This was a case of the upper class Chinese treating the lower upper class? Upper class Chinese, oh. and as well as the foreigners. Oh yeah, that's terrible. So they got shocked too. Yeah. By the way, I think the last year that I was teaching in China, the Communist Party, of course, controls all the TV and radio. And so yeah. when they want you to know something, you know, it's in all the channels and uh, everybody knows it. So one day I come to class and several of the students asked me if I was Jewish. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I was like, why? Why do you ask that? I didn't, I didn't say yes or no. I was just, I said, why? And they said, because of your nose. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I thought, this is very strange that so many students are asking me on one particular day if I'm Jewish or not. I uh, finally found out that th- there had been a documentary a Chinese documentary on the history of the Jews. And so I guess they pointed out that that was one of their features was, uh, you know, a hooked or a bigger nose. But anyway, one of the students 
when I told him, well, no, I'm not. He said, it's too bad that you're not. The Jews are very good with their money. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and he wasn't trying to be funny. He was almost saying, like, oh, it's, it's a pity that you're not. <laughs> you would be very rich and not in China right now. And also in that museum, I learned that some the Jewish kids, they, they make friends with the local Shanghainese kids. And some Jewish also, they got married with Shanghai, Shanghai girls. But not too many, but some, mm -hmm. some, a few. And did they take the Chinese girls with them to Israel yeah. or Europe when they left? Yeah, yeah. Can you talk about your school life? My primary school, I'm very, very happy every day. Happy. Mm -hmm. Why were you happy every day? Uh, we have little homework. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, good we read. only have two, uh, two subjects. One's one's Chinese, another one is mathematics. Uh -huh. When we uh, went to middle school, in the first year, we still were happy. We we don't know nothing. Mm -hmm. In second year and third year, we know we have to work hard. Mm -hmm. Why do you have to work hard? Because we, if we don't work hard, we will stay in the countryside forever mm. and do the farm work mm -hmm. uh, forever. Yeah. And do the, we, we call, we have to repair the earth forever. Mm. Mm. You know what I do? In Chinese, how would you say that? Uh, we have to hit. The cow forever because the bull can help us to do the farm work. The Chinese education system is quite a bit different than the rest of the world. So explain why in middle school you must study hard. Yeah, because we if we don't work hard, we will lose in the important exam, and we can't go to the city or we will go to the factory. That's the time. Either you go to a factory or you go to high school. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Or go to the army. Oh, yes. that's not high school, you mean like after high school? After middle school. Oh, after middle school, okay. Yeah, after middle school. Uh, and then if you do well, what happens? Go to the high school. Okay. The high school, very, the lifestyle very fast. So um, you were in the village until yeah. middle school. Yes. And then you, you did pretty good. Yes. And you had to move to the city by yourself. Yes. To high school. Yeah. Right. How, how far was the village from the city? By by bars almost one one hour. Yes, I have to live in in the school. The life very strict to the students. And you live in a, in a dormitory, right? Yes, dormitory together. And when we say dormitory in America, it means it means more of an apartment. In China, it means one room. Yes, one room. With how many people? In my first year, almost uh, ten guys. In one room. One room. And everybody shares a, the WC with many other, Yes. more than 10 share the same WC. Like, what else is bad about high school? <laughs> high school, that's the system of education, I think. They study not to develop themselves. The purpose of they study is only for exam. They are very good at exams. So I think the exam murdered most of the children's what? imagination or creation, yeah. uh -huh. or critical thinking, yeah. or in individual. Individualism? Yes, individualism. Yeah. And when you got to university, how did you feel at first? I feel very, very good. Uh -huh. Yes, everything is good to me. Okay. 
Yeah, I, uh, my university is alive like my, my China host. The way someone told me that in China is difficult to get into a university, but it's very easy to graduate. Yes. Why is it easy to graduate? Because it's, it's, it's very easy to get a six, six scores in the exams. If you can get a, get a six scores in the exams, you can pass the exam. And uh, the exam are, very, are quite easy for the students to get it, to pass it. Mm. So if you can pass it, you can get the degree. Okay. And uh, sometimes it's, uh, a lot of students can, can cheat in, on the exams. Mm -hmm. So six scores is, is a piece of cake for them. To cheat. Yeah. As a teacher, uh, I was very surprised that mm. I had students that I had never met before mm. and they came to the final exam. Yeah. And I thought, who are you? Mm. I said, uh, you're a student. And, and some of them couldn't even say you're a student. Their English was so terrible. Of course, they failed my test, mm. but later on I found out they passed, like somebody passed them mm. without my knowledge. Yeah. So they must have paid some money to somebody or... Mm -hmm. it's, it's quite common, yeah. this situation. Sometimes uh, one guy or two guys, in, almost in uh, big, big classes, there are often has some students, they never attend the classes. Mm -hmm. In your opinion, do they know anything about the class? They, they know a little. But the university's classes are uh, similar to attend or not attend are similar, I think, sometimes. Mm -hmm. Because the university's teachers are very... Uh, some teachers are, are good. Most of the teachers are, are lazy. The first time you had a job, you had a job at a factory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was owned by the Taiwanese, mm -hmm. right? Can you tell me about that experience? What did you learn? First of all, what did you make? We make the physical education products. For example, like the jump ropes in the factory are very strict. Every day you have to work a very long time, almost 10 hours. Almost two weeks, it's just one day for a rest. Did they pay you okay? Yeah, pay is okay. Not, not very good, not very bad. What was it like working for a Taiwanese Chinese person? The Taiwanese are okay. Uh -huh. The employees, they are Chinese. They're from China. They're from the mainland. Uh -huh. They treat Chinese very bad. So they treat their own people bad? Yeah. Uh -huh. You said you got to see Taiwanese TV. Yes. Uh, we can watch the TV programs in our dorms. Right? They had a satellite. Yes. Yeah, which is illegal in China. Yes. But they have one anyway. Yeah. What did you learn from Taiwanese TV? How was it different than uh, CCTV, the Chinese? They can speak what they want. They can debate more free speech. They can speak bad things about China. How did you feel when you heard the Taiwanese say something bad about China? He just say bad words about Chinese culture revolution. Bad words about Mao. Do you think about politics anymore? Yeah, I, I don't think politics anymore no, right now. Yeah, yeah that's okay. Yeah. Um, another friend of ours said that, he said when he was younger, Chairman Mao died, Deng Xiaoping uh -huh. uh, became president, and people became interested in politics. Uh -huh. They're very excited about the change, and, but after Tiananmen Square, uh -huh. everybody lost interest. People became depressed and just quit paying attention. Yeah. Then last summer you went to work in Shanghai. Yes. Yeah, tell me about that experience. Shanghai is very, very different compared to my hometown. Mm -hmm. It feels like uh, another country. 
very big and very clean, and uh, but they lifestyle very fast. Mm -hmm. I think the most of the people are immigrants mm -hmm. from different parts of China. They went to Shanghai most for for money. Mm -hmm. So in Shanghai, the people I feel a little cold. Mm -hmm. You worked at a restaurant. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. You tell us about that. Mm -hmm. The restaurant uh, is close to the center of the sh of Shanghai. Xuhui district. Mm -hmm. uh, most people went to the restaurant. The customers are from from Japan, from America, from Europe, from China, from mm -hmm. from everywhere. And uh, so I can listen different informations mm -hmm. in the restaurant. What's some good things that you learned from listening to the people who had dinner there? And and for most people who don't know, a lot. I think this restaurant had private rooms, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, so people speak very freely yes. in the private rooms. I heard a lot uh, about uh, economics, uh, about politics, mm -hmm. about education. Two things about Shanghainese, there are two topics they usually ta talked. One topic is America, mm -hmm. another topic is apartment prices. Mm -hmm. So what did they say about America? <laughs> because most good, of good the or bad, good or bad, it's okay. Yeah, uh, most of the Shanghainese, I think they went, they has been to America. They speak highly of, of of America, mm -hmm. I think. In in Luoyang, uh, when people talk about America, is it is it positive or negative usually? I think positive. Positive. Yeah. Okay. And like sometimes somebody will say, ask me where I'm from. When I say sometimes they will, they will give me a thumbs up. Mm -hmm. And but sometimes they will give me a thumbs down and say uh, you know megua uh, buhao. <laughs> One old man stopped me and said, "What are you doing here?" Mm -hmm. I said, "I'm a teacher." He said, "You need to go back to America and never come back. This is a terrible place." <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was an old man. He remembered Mao Zedong. He remembered Deng Xiaoping. You know, he didn't like any of them. <laughs> so uh, okay. So tell tell us something you learned maybe negative. Yeah. At those dinners. I I learned. Quite a lot of negative uh, stories from the restaurant, because some government officer and some businessman they usually went to good restaurant, mm -hmm. and uh, usually some some businessman often invite Chinese government officer to have a have a dinner together, mm -hmm. and one night in a private room they spent almost ten thousand yuan. Just one night, wow. because they drink a lot of good white wine, good uh -huh. alcohol. Uh -huh. And another night, I will listen some guys. They talk about uh, they are bankers. Chinese bank belongs to the government. Mm -hmm. They are bank leaders, mm -hmm. and they talk about uh, how do they fund the the internship guys. Uh -huh. And uh, for example, two guys, and uh, one guy is common guy, mm -hmm. has no background. Uh -huh. Another guy, his parents are from the government. Uh -huh. He will choose the who are from the, uh, the, the government. government background uh -huh. because they can use the background to collect more money. Mm. To for, have more for, influence with the government. Yes, yeah. for the bank. For example, Mao Zedong's uh, grandsons, mm -hmm. they have more choice to, to be the past bank leaders. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sometimes uh, the we call uh, relative generations. Uh, most of the uh, highest bank leaders are raised red generations. The red generations it means 
the grandchildren from the first first leaders of China oh, after 1949. Got it. Yeah. So the leaders that were, helped Mao have power, yeah. their grandchildren mm. are in charge of the banks. Yes. They, they are in, in charge of the different powers. If you'd like to hear some more from Mr. Horse, you should check out In the Corner Back by the Woodpile episodes 5, 58, and 96. The In the Corner Back by the Woodpile podcast is produced by a closet, a pocket, and a suitcase. You can email us at spuncounterguy at hotmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at spuncounterguy. Be sure to download the new Podbean app to hear this podcast and others on your tablet and smartphone. And we are now on iTunes. Just do a search for Back by the Woodpile on the iTunes store and we should pop up. And a special thanks to thebrofisticate.com. Bro